This is the Downey's DM Podcast. Okay, hello everybody. I am Jason Hine. I'm going to be talking to you today about the subclavian line and why it really should be your go-to line, why it is the resuscitative line of champions. All right, so the goals and objectives for this talk, it is a short talk, and we only have two key things that we want you to take away at the end here. I want you to be able to articulate the advantages of the subclavian line over the other central venous catheter insertion sites, and then I want you to be able to describe the technique for ultrasound guidance of a subclavian. Pretty simple. So central venous catheters, we you know generally know when we need to use these, whether they're incredibly ill and need multiple lines, whether they need a vasoactive agent, we understand when. The question for us often is where. And you know we have three places to choose from. It's the internal jugular, the subclavian, or the femoral. And I'd argue that we all kind of have our go-to, right? We have our line location that we generally use. And then when we're not able to use that line or that location site for one reason or another, we think about the other two. Now, what is that location for most of us? I would argue in the clinical practice I've seen and in my training that it's mostly ultrasound-guided IJs. That's what most of us are doing, I think. Well, what do people say out there? What are the guidelines and recommendations? So the CDC, what do they say? What is their recommendation for us? Hopefully, it's ultrasound-guided IJs because that's probably what the majority of us are doing. Well, no, obviously not. It's the subclavian uh, rather than the jugular or femoral site in adult patients to minimize the infection risk for these non-tunneled catheters. That is probably surprising to many of us because, again, we're kind of going against the recommendation there when we're doing our IJs. And this is all a risk-benefit discussion, right? We have to weigh the pros and cons, the risks and benefits, as we do with all of our procedures. The risks here you can see are arterial puncture, infection, thrombosis, hematoma, damage to dangerous things that are around it, and very importantly, we have to think about failure of the line, failure to get that access. The benefits are kind of the other side of that same coin. We're thinking about cleanliness or low infection rate, low risk for thrombosis, a compressible site, being away from dangerous things, and success of the line. So what data do we have to sort of drive these decisions? What's the literature out there on these three points of access? Probably the best one uh, is the three site study. It was a New England Journal of Medicine article in 2015. Now it was ICU patients, so it wasn't exactly our typical ED patient population, but not far off, right? They're getting central access. They're often going right up to the ICU. They're very similar, not far from uh, the patients that we're treating. In these cases, they randomized their patients in a one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one fashion for the IJ, the femoral, or the subclavian site. Now, they did about 3,500 total catheters, but some patients had a site excluded. You know, they couldn't use one. They could only use two of the three, and they were randomized in a one-to-one -one fashion, etc. In the end, when they did a one-to-one-to-one -to -one -to -one randomization, they found that there were about 850 in each catheter location. So not too shabby. Pretty big study. Now, again, it's important to recognize that while this is a 2015 study, the vast majority of femoral and subclavian lines were done by landmark technique, and even a third of the IJs were done without ultrasound. And what did they find? You can see here on the y-axis we get our complication rate, and you can see gray is mechanical, orange is DVT, and blue is uh, bloodstream infections. And the subclavian at baseline outperformed the other two with a complication rate just above 3%. And as you can see here, the vast majority of the subclavian complications were mechanical in nature. What if I were to tell you, though, that there's an easy way to shrink that mechanical complication rate down and make the subclavian by far the most appealing of the sites? So enter ultrasound guidance. Now, what kind of literature do we have on the topic? There's definitely a lot of publications with regard to using ultrasound for subclavian lines. 
Some of it, or much of it, is kind of plagued by a lot of the uh, flaws of ultrasound literature that we see. They usually have a small N. It's done by a very experienced operator with incredibly high numbers of, you know, uh, success and sensitivity, specificity, etc. Probably the best overall uh, representation of the literature, though, was a Cochrane review, which was done 2015 by Brass. So they had nine studies done, four of which were in Doppler. We're not going to talk about those. That's a little antiquated at this point. They had five two-dimensional ultrasound studies, and here they are. So the 10,000-foot view of this is, um, you know, we look at the first study, which was by Mansfield. It had by far the most number of patients, 821, but they used ultrasound just to identify the vein. It was not a real-time ultrasound study. Of the other ones, we saw that one represented or saw no difference between ultrasound and landmark technique. One saw a trend toward ultrasound being better but was underpowered, and the other two showed that there was a favoring of ultrasound. In the end, the conclusion by the Cochrane was ultrasound offers small gains in safety and quality when compared to the landmark technique. Now that sounds kind of pessimistic, but that's fantastic, right? We're looking for small gains in safety and quality all the time in the emergency department. So how do we do this? You know, our standard approach for getting the subclavian line uh, by landmark technique is kind of find that junction between the medial and mid-third of the clavicle and sneak under the clavicle with our venipuncture to get the subclavian vein. The dirty little secret here for ultrasound-guided subclavians is that we're often finding, localizing, and even sometimes doing our venipuncture in the axillary vein. And remember, the name of the vein changes from axillary to subclavian as it crosses over the first rib. So here's a uh, representation and uh, an associated ultrasound view. As you can see, as you look laterally toward the you know, axilla, you see the axillary vein and artery, you see the pleura underneath, and the pectoralis muscle above. As you move more medially, you start to see the subclavian maybe is slightly larger in diameter, but you start to see the clavicle, and the pleura comes in closer proximity to the vein. Now, when doing these ultrasound-guided approaches, much of the literature out there right now does recommend doing a longitudinal axis view. I'd say that a lot of us are uh, used to or ready or capable with doing a cross-sectional view, as we see here in these images, approaching in that regard. The longitudinal axis does have the advantage of you see your needle through the entire field, you have a much lower likelihood of passing your target and hitting the pleura, so it is recommended. That said, if you're good with and uh, facile with doing a cross-sectional approach for your IJs and other lines, I would not transition to longitudinal right away for these, gu for these guys. I would work on your longitudinal approach in your peripheral IVs and stay cross-sectional until you're ready for the transition to longitudinal. Here's an example or a demonstration of someone gaining access in the subclavian vein under ultrasound guidance in that longitudinal plane. So as you'll see, the needle enters from the upper left-hand side of the window. It tracks down across the screen here, and you'll see your venipuncture happens somewhere around here. See a little bit of the tending of the vessel right here, a little pop through, and we get flash. Pretty smooth. So now just to show you that that anatomy is not kind of one in one million that it was uh, you know, not typically seen, this is my own body. This is my own right shoulder axillary vein and transition to the subclavian. You can see the axillary vein and artery here, the pleura below, and the pectoralis muscle above. As the video plays, we are sleeping, sweeping from lateral to medial. So you can see the compressibility of the vessel. As it moves medial, that's a fantastic target right there, right? Most of us can hit that target right there. And then it dies under the clavicle. Just to show that again, compressible, away from the pleura here, you see a great target, and you see the clavicle come into view and the subclavian vein dives underneath. 
Now, one approach hack for the very experienced uh, ultrasonographer or subclavian vein access person is this pleural avoidance with rib trajectory. This is the idea of using the second rib as a shield in its own right for the pleura. So they recommend finding the rib, changing your uh, orientation to that longitudinal that we mentioned was recommended, and as you can see in the schematic here, using the second rib to guard the pleura and getting your venipuncture to happen over the second rib. So something like this, tracking right over the rib, protecting the pleura from below. Definitely an expert level move. You know, this is subclavian ultrasound guided lines 2.0, but it's something to know about and something to possibly shoot for as you get more facile with this. And here's an example of a patient that we did just a few weeks ago. As you can see with ultrasound guidance, you definitely do your venipuncture and gain your access slightly more laterally in these cases. And again, sometimes in the axillary vein, but that is totally okay. So let's recap. The CDC recommends a subclavian vein as your site of preference because of its low infection risk. The three sites study showed us that the subclavian line had lower complication rates than the other two sites, but was plagued mostly by mechanical complications. And the Cochrane Library and the other ultrasound guided library resources show us that we can further decrease that mechanical complication rate by using ultrasound and making the, the subclavian line the most desirable of the three. And the dirty little secret here is that we're often looking at and sometimes doing our venipuncture in the axillary vein, which is totally okay in these cases. Here are my references. Thanks so much for listening.